Welcome to Inside Acme X, a series where we discuss TV, film, video games, virtual, augmented and mixed reality with the people currently making it in Australia. Each episode will feature a resident that works at Acme X, Acme's screen-focused co-working space housing 72 practitioners. I'm Amber Gibson, the Community Coordinator. During this episode, we're talking to Marco Matic about non-fungible tokens or NFTs collectible digital art and assets that are sold and experienced almost entirely online, but can also be connected to real-world physical items. Marco Matic is an Australian multidisciplinary artist, auteur, animator and technologist who creates immersive art and storytelling experiences across augmented reality and virtual reality. Marco has been diving into crypto art and NFTs for over a year now and has currently sold over 27 artworks, earning just over $1 million across some of crypto art world's most notable marketplaces and metaverse spaces, including Super Rare, Maker's Place, Decentraland, First Dibs, and many others. Welcome, Marco. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. For listeners who haven't experienced your work, are you able to describe your multimedia art form? Sure. Essentially, I combine traditional art practices with new and emerging tech to create interactive and immersive storytelling experiences. So my background as a traditional self-taught illustrator has branched out across animation, game development, interactive media, um, and augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, Over the last five years, I've been tapping into augmented reality storytelling by transforming flat artworks into experiential pieces that come alive in front of audiences. And I've worked a lot with various tech companies, city councils, and and, and various organizations to sort of realize their stories through augmented reality, often transforming very heavy subject matter into engaging content that audiences can actually jump into and explore. You mentioned you're a self-taught artist. How long has it taken you to develop your style? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think like any artist, I've been drawing since I can remember. I started teaching myself flash animation mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 10 years plus. And this, this was a time where YouTube wasn't even a thing. So combining illustration with animation and then later game development and then eventually moving into AR and VR, it's all just quite experimental. I'm still learning new tips and techniques and tricks here and there. And that's kind of been my, I guess, my work ethic, not to just confine yourself to one particular skill set, but to diversify. With that sort of ideology, you can take a simple concept into something much more immersive and expansive. Yeah, awesome. And for those people who aren't familiar with virtual and augmented reality, can you explain what they are? Yeah, I mean, so the two fall under one umbrella. It falls under extended reality, which is XR, and then AR and VR sit under it. So AR is superimposing content into our reality, so overlaying objects on top of our reality, either to reinforce the subject matter or to explain more about what the the object is. So that's primarily through, you know, iPads or tablets or even AR eyewear. VR is escaping from our reality. You're transported into a reality created by the developer. You're donning this headset and you're, you're jumping into this virtual environment. You've gone from illustration to animation to game development, and then you've moved into the AR and VR space. 
when did you start really catching on to the metaverse and NFTs and thought, I'm going to really give this a go. I'm going to try and learn how to market myself on these spaces. To be honest, I I actually came across NFTs early 2020. When the pandemic hit, a lot of my projects had fallen through. I started looking into, um, I guess, other potential ways to kind of monetize and profit from my from my creations. And uh, yeah, I guess by chance, I discovered, um, you know, crypto art. That's what it was called back then. Uh, yeah, so I I, uh, I looked into the space. I, and at the time, I didn't know how big some of these platforms were, but I applied onto um, a, a crypto art market called Super Rare uh, and Maker's Place. And those are two uh, of probably the most... Uh, largest crypto art marketplaces and probably the most reputable. So they're, they're highly curated spaces. So I, I applied for my, I submitted my work, I got accepted. And then I started minting my own digital animations and artworks. And the very first artwork I sold, I woke up at 3am in the morning and uh, someone had put a bid for about, I think 11, 11 Ethereum, which back then was, I think that was about $3,000 US. And that, that just blew my mind. Like that was like, holy shit. Like someone's <laughs> just bidding for my digital work. What's happening? And that, that sort of became the first stream of income from the NFT space. And I guess ever since I've been releasing all kinds of NFT artworks and yeah, it, it's, it's kind of been my primary source of income. heard you say the word minting just before and wondering if you're up for giving our audience a quick definition of what minting actually means. Yeah, I mean, so the, the term minting comes from the traditional process of making a, a new coin, so stamping metal to, to create a new coin. And that, I guess that term itself carries across to the blockchain to create new blocks of data for the blockchain. So in the instance of NFTs, when you say you're minting an NFT, you're, you, you're just essentially creating the NFT and you're setting up the parameters about what utilities are stored within that NFT as well. And for anyone who hasn't explored this space yet, are you able to go a bit further back and describe the term NFT? Yeah, sure. So an NFT, um, so that stands for a non-fungible token. NFTs are essentially um, unique blocks of data or information that's stored on a digital ledger uh, called the blockchain. They are immutable. So they cannot be tampered with or um, interfered with. So the information recorded cannot be changed. NFTs are unique in that obviously they are non-fungible. So an example of what a fungible item is, is say a traditional world currency. So an Australian dollar is a fungible item. So $1 equals $1. You can trade them. It will always equal the same thing. The same as cryptocurrency, one Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin. With NFTs, I guess the best example that people use is the Mona Lisa artwork. Historically and through records, everybody knows that there's only one Mona Lisa in existence created by one person and it's owned by one particular institution. So there can never be two Mona Lisas. Each block has to be different in its own respective way. Blockchain works in that similar kind of fashion. It reinforces that level of ownership and authenticity. So for example, if a collector purchases one of my NFTs, it's an artwork but it's also a certificate of authenticity. So whatever happens to that piece in future, it'll be recorded. It'll, it'll show who it's been purchased by, who it's been resold to, at what price, who owns it now, and so on and so forth. So it's forever recorded on the blockchain and it, it can't be tampered with. That's just another revolutionary thing about NFTs is that you can't do that with the traditional art world. If you have a great curator you're working with, that's fantastic. But if not, then you'll never 
see what happens to that piece in, in the years to come. And you might be missing on, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in royalties that were owed to you. You've earned over a million dollars from your art so far and congratulations. How did you know how to price your artwork and how's that changed? Um, to be honest, um, I, I kind of left it to the collectors and the, the community to determine my value at first. When I first started in the crypto art market, I actually had no idea what my work was valued at. I've sold works in, tra- in the traditional art space before. The most I've sold my pieces in the traditional art market have been probably like $1,100 to $1,500 for like a large scale, like augmented reality prints. But in the NFT art world, it's different because, I mean, firstly, there's just so much more money involved in the space. There's so much more investment in the space. But when I started selling, I actually didn't set a price on my work. I um, With these marketplaces, you can uh, just leave them with no price and collectors can essentially just sort of place a bid on the piece. So when I sold my first artwork, you know, it, it started from like 0.1 Ethereum to 1 Ethereum. It, it grew to like three to seven. And then I think the largest bid I received was 11 Ethereum. Back then was like $3,000. But now the price of Ethereum is probably, I think 10 Ethereum is roughly about $55,000 Australian right now. I honestly left it to collectors to see whether they would continue the bidding war. With a lot of my pieces, I don't really set a, a price or a reserve price on them. I just leave it there and see if collectors, you know, place a bid. And I kind of just accept which is probably the most acceptable bid. The value of my NFTs and and how much they've been selling for over the course of the last 12 months has increased. I mean, that first work being sold for about 3000 the last work I sold for was I think about $26,000 Australian on um, First Dibs, which is a New York marketplace. And I'm really grateful for the collectors who have, you know, stayed with me and supported me. I mean, some collectors don't even hold the work. Sometimes they do it as an investment. So for example... I think one work I sold last year for about 9000 and they've relisted on the market for double that price and they're, they're looking to sell it for, for double that amount. Um, and it's just interesting to see that value grow. When you talk about collectors buying your NFT with the cryptocurrency Ethereum, when do you convert Ethereum into Australian dollars? It's important to note that cryptocurrency is highly volatile, so prices can fluctuate uh, quite frequently, more so than the stock exchange. So when I'm making a transaction, when I'm converting to cash, it might change by a couple of dollars, just depending on how busy the the market is on that day. But if I want to convert my Ethereum, what I'll do is I, I send it from my digital wallet to a, a recognized cryptocurrency exchange. For Australia, we have CoinSpot. Once I've received that Ethereum into CoinSpot, I can then sell off that Ethereum and convert it into Australian dollars, which is then connected to my bank account and I can just withdraw the funds from there. So does that mean that the value of that sale can fluctuate if you don't convert one of the cryptocurrencies, for example, Ethereum, to Australian dollars directly after someone buys your NFT? Yeah, absolutely. For example, a, a work I sold a few weeks ago, I think that sold for about 10000 Australian dollars. The withdrawal was, I think it was just a $200 fluctuation. Um, so upon selling that cryptocurrency, it was about $9,800 that I received. It's just important to note that um, depending on the day and depending on the events that are happening around the world, Ethereum can fluctuate quite significantly.
In terms of selling your art, you mentioned that when you first started, you randomly picked Super Rare and Maker's Place. How do you get onto them? Did you have to get an invite to upload your work? Are the marketplaces different? Yeah. So, I mean, last year when I joined, the NFT space was quite small. It was a time before you know, it all exploded. So there are, there are various um, NFT marketplaces. Some are curated and others are not. Super Rare and Maker's Place, those are curated marketplaces. So I was really lucky to show them my work and yeah, I eventually I got accepted. I, I guess I was lucky to stumble upon those as being the most popular and I, I've sort of stuck with them to this day because they've just offered the best, I guess, the best service and they, they've actually shown support for the artists. They actually onboard them and you know, they get them involved in various group shows and exhibitions. There are mm-hmm. um, NFT marketplaces such as um, OpenSea and Rarible. Those are not curated at all. So anyone with a, a digital wallet can essentially sign up and start minting and uh, creating their own NFT artworks. Again, with that though, they're not curated. So with such a saturation of artists now jumping on board, it, it can be a bit tricky to get noticed. And that's where a lot of the legwork in, in social media sort of comes in handy. Do do the platforms take a commission? Yeah, they do. Um, and again, it depends on the marketplace you're on. So Super Rare and Maker's Place, they both take about 15% commission. Uh, other places like um, OpenSea and Rarible, I think they take about 2.5%. Another thing to add to that as well is royalties. What's really cool about NFTs and the, and the crypto art world in general is most of these marketplaces have automated royalties. Say, for example, if I sell my work for 5,000 US dollars, if that buyer, if that collector sells it off to another person, I essentially get 10% automated royalties from that secondary sale. Despite Super Rare and Maker's Place having curators and they do have a, a curated platform, all the transactions are automated. They don't have to worry about whether or not their royalties have come in. It will automatically come through once a, a work has sold, which again, gives more power back to the creator. Yeah, there's a solid paper trail there. You spoke about this idea of IP and being able to gain royalties off that IP that you own. What are those business considerations that you have to consider on these platforms? It's kind of weird because when it comes to IP, the collector doesn't own the IP. They just own the certificate of the artwork. So they own the artwork, but not they don't own the rights to distribute it or mass produce it in any kind of way. I essentially own the IP and the rights to show that artwork wherever I want. And in a way, it kind of goes against the traditional artwork uh, art world where I guess it's kind of frowned upon if you share that artwork in multiple spaces. But in a way, NFTs, if you share them, they become more popular and it creates a level of notoriety when you see them across the entire internet, which again, builds up that value and scarcity at the same time, because in essence, the blockchain determines who actually owns that work, but you can still share that work and and still, you know, make it blow up on the internet. Can we blow it out even further and talk a bit about how NFTs connect to the metaverse? In essence, the metaverse is really an evolution of the way in which we engage with each other now through social media. So we're kind of at this crossroads where we're using Web2 technology, which includes, you know, text, sharing information, uh, communicating through videos, audio. It's all very visual. 
The metaverse is really a Web3 technology which comprises of blockchain technology and experiential technology like virtual reality and augmented reality. And with these combined, it allows us to evolve from our screens and actually being able to pop on a headset and engage with each other in a much more experiential, physical and immersive way. It's a vast digital universe of interconnected worlds and spaces. So users like ourselves can embody our own personal avatars where we can actually engage, perform activities, do all kinds of things that sort of break beyond the, the 2D flat screen that we're kind of used to. So it's really an interesting time right now as large corporations and, and, and organizations are trying to create the ultimate metaverse, the ultimate social experience. NFTs are like the items and objects that populate the universe. So an NFT can be anything from an artwork to a, a piece of virtual real estate to an actual building um, or to even a, a, an entire virtual world. Do you have any tips you can share with artists who are considering making NFT art? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess some articles to look at to understand the NFT space in a more technical level. I think it's really important to understand how it works. There's a, a really great article I recommend to newcomers called the NFT Bible. It basically gives you a whole rundown and breakdown of what NFTs are, how to create your wallet, and I guess the, the processes in, in, in minting your work. I guess another thing as well, if you're starting off, I think it's important to consider the environmental Issues that are circling around NFTs, I know that's been a very controversial area uh, for the NFT space because of the energy consumption around the blockchain. But it's also important to note that not all blockchains are the same and not everyone mints or creates NFTs on the same blockchain. So Ethereum is considered to, to use a significant amount of energy. It is transitioning to a cleaner system, which uses much less energy. There are other blockchains out there that use a completely different system that use a significantly less amount of energy than Ethereum. So some of these platforms are, um, are Tezos, uh, Solana, and I think Cardano. So those are the new types of platforms that are more environmentally friendly. There's a platform called Hikiknuk. Uh, it's a platform that runs on the Tezos blockchain. And again, that uses much less energy to mint and, and run transactions on that. Thanks so much for joining us, Marco Matic. No worries. I hope it, uh, yeah, I, I guess. And if anyone has any questions, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out as well. I'm happy to help out anyone who's interested in, in the space as well. Thanks for joining us on Inside Acme X. For anyone interested in checking out Marco Maddox's work or reading those resources like the NFT Bible, the links are in the show notes and we're continuing each discussion around each topic on Twitter at Acme X Studio.